Hey everyone, welcome to the MTG Rants Podcast. This is episode number 97, and I'm not tanning. The host for today is myself, uh, Britt Weiner. Joining me for this very special mods-only cast is my good friend, Andrew. Hello. And my other good friend, Cody. Uh, howdy. We're going to be running this one for the year-end. Uh, so what we're going to go over this week is the 2021 year-end review. We're going to go over the sets and what the big impacts of this year were. Uh, and then we're going to go over what we kind of expect and what we're looking forward in the 2022 year. So, uh, obviously, you probably don't know any of us. You know, I'm the lovely editor because Tannen says that at least once an episode. But let's go ahead and go over uh, the three of us. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about you, uh, your relationship with Magic, uh, modding, and uh, just anything else that you think we care about. All right. Well, hello. My name is Andrew. I started getting into Magic about summer of 2013 when my cousin introduced it to me. I discovered a local game store about a year later. Uh, I think it might have been about a year later. When it, when Theros had came out, it was, it was the just after Theros had came out. Uh, I had expressed interest in it. I visited the game store. I was in uh, early high school at the time. And then about circa Magic 2015 is when I kind of discovered the full love for the game when Mono Red just happened to win a Pro Tour. And from there on out, I explored other formats, and currently my love for the game lies in Modern. Um, for modding, it was a little back and forth between Magic and StarCraft, is during a time when society was getting a little questionable, it looked as if Star City needed some extra mods. I put in my little comment about wanting to join, and I joined as a volunteer mod in late 2016. And that's how it was in, in Magic. For StarCraft, I helped run a bunch of tournaments at a for lower ranked players at a very very big community level we would have tournaments and leagues that would have somewhere between 80 and 100 people and i helped kind of organize that stuff uh and then currently i have dialed back on that and have gotten into school i'm out of school now i have a full-time job and I just kind of loosely follow magic, and that's where I'm at today. Awesome. Uh, so, Cody, how have you? Um, so, same thing. How did you get into magic, and uh, how did you get to mod the uh, the Pioneer Cast slash MTG Rants podcast? Yeah. So I started playing magic. It was right about the time that Avison Restored hit the shelves. Um, I, I kind of played kitchen table cards you own the format um, for a lot of years. Um, and then right about the time Fate Reforged dropped, I kind of I was in college at that point. So I, I uh, found a group of people and we started um, started going to the nearest LGS to us, which was about half an hour from where we were so we'd drive into drive into town and play um since then i have dug really deep into modern 
um, when Pioneer dropped, I, I was in between jobs. And so, you know, I was when they dropped that article on a random, you know, Thursday or whatever it was with no warning, um, I, I quickly ran out, grabbed cards and, you know, Tannen and Ross had jumped in and were like, hey, we're starting this Pioneer podcast. Uh, we're, we're calling Pioneer Cast and uh, we need some mods for this Discord. So Brent and I had played... Um, played magic together for a little while at that point and brent reached out to me and uh you reached out to me brent and yep. we're just like hey you want to you want to mod this and i was like yeah i got nothing else going on right now let's <laughs> let's do it right um so that's kind of my magic and modding i don't do a lot of modding just because i kind of have my attention split between a lot of different different worlds i don't you know outside of magic i I play games and I, I'm married, so I kind of, I, I get to focus on that too. So it's worse than the wife. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I will not say anything bad about my wife on record. So <laughs> probably in my best interest to not do that, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with magic and modding. Yeah. Awesome. So I started, uh, so Brett, the lovely editor, I started in about 2015, uh, battle for Zendikar was coming out and, I had basically played horrible decks and then uh, eventually I was like, oh, I could play better decks and like discover empty gillfish and things like that. Eventually I, I stumble into Cody's world. I moved from Texas to uh, up to Kansas where he lives and we became good buddies and played modern format. It's kind of funny that uh, we became friends. I only had Tron at the time. That was the first modern deck. I know you have a Boo. hatred of that. Boo Tron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, uh, during when I was buddies with Co uh, Cody, uh, I got pulled into the uh, Tannin's first uh, podcast project. I said, hey, if you need me to, I can edit. And they said, yes. I was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> I became the editor of the of the former podcast. Um, and then that they eventually pod faded. Uh, not going to get into that, but uh, then uh Tannen comes up to me and says hey pioneer seems pretty cool we need uh, ross is on board can we do this podcast and i said yes he's like okay we're gonna do a podcast tonight i was like okay okay so all of a sudden i had i was dropping everything to make sure they can get up and going for, with the podcast and then soon after like cody said uh we had the discord built up we had uh in inferno who uh we he was very active in the community as well say so, all right if you're a mod too um, yeah I, I would say i kind of helped kick start the popularity for the discord because i yes. i, I want to say i was pitching ideas and stuff and all of a sudden it was just like i said that i modded for star city and you're like what well, do you want to mod this i'm like yeah i guess <laughs> um yeah exactly and and but mostly the mod chat that we go over is like hey this person said this are we good with this probably not right and then uh Cody and, and Andrew would go, yeah, we're not great with that. And we would have like built kind of built rules on the fly of like, okay. And I would message people privately and say, Hey, that thing you said, you, you can't say that we're making a rule now. And it just a handful of people. And they were, it was never personal. And they're like, Oh, I thought it was okay. No big deal. Every time. Yeah. You know, that's one of the weirder things. You know, this is my first adventure into modding. Um, I, 
based on my experience, just kind of Reddit lurking and and just being a person on the internet in the last 10 years, I really thought it was more of a formal, hey, you broke rule 17.4. Where in this time, we're just like, hey, how do we feel about this? And we all kind of go, eh, don't love it. Cool, let's, uh, let's bounce it. Let's bounce that comment. And, you know, anytime I've reached out to someone to be like, hey, uh, can't say that. They've always been really cool about it. Like, oh, my bad. Didn't know that. Won't do it going forward. Right. I think just uh, we've had a really good community. I think I did have to perma-ban one person. for, And I don't remember the exact reason, but I remember I had to delete a ton of posts. And there was a, it was a bunch of feces throwing. And I said, okay, that's, you, you got to go, bud. Um, I think there's the one time, but we have a, I'll admit we have a very good discord community. I, I like, I like the, group Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the easiest most hands-off modding job. Um, yes. <laughs> you could ask for It's just, I'll pop in every once in a while. I'll be like, Hey, people are talking smack about siege rhino. So I got to kind of step in. Oh Lord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, that was my I was, first love too. Yeah. I, yeah. I was very different back in the day because we, Starcraft, it was very active with, with some very toxic community heads. I mean, we had people that would stream and just, and just communities would, or would rally around this one person or this, you know, group of people that were just, absurdly toxic and that was a big big issue and we had a lot of extra mods in these in some of these channels is these communities would just bleed over everywhere and, and it would be awful it's died down a lot in in recent years as finally action has been taken but a lot of the stuff I, I dealt with was active modding in like the Star City Games chat as well as in uh, the StarCraft discords and Twitch channels. So uh, it's just kind of, it, it's it's iffy with a lot of these things, but uh, it, it's nice that this server is very, very understanding, and everybody's pretty cool with each other, and nobody's doing anything crazy. Right. It was it was kind of immature at, at being as far as like what was there, and then it was a lot of community input. Say, hey, I like sports. Let's have a sports channel because they didn't want to flood like the general channel. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't want to. And, and so we created like sports uh, TV and movies and and those channels like that. And you can't, we, can't forget about the, the the Great Pets channel too. Oh, the pet. Oh, that's the best channel. Uh, oh yeah, there's that's the one, that's the one I have unmuted so I can see all the pets. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best channel. The best spot. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump right into the 2021 stuff. Uh, the first set, and we're going to mostly talk about the, the, the things that impacted the modern format mostly, but we'll include like set releases and stuff like that and, and, and things like that. So initially in February, that was the first standard set that came out, uh, Call Time. Uh, that was when they introduced uh, Valky and Tobalt's Chirkery. Guys, that like really changed modern in a crazy way, just right away. Yeah, and you know, this is one of the weird times in Magic. I distinctly remember there are three times in Magic where in my in my playing at least, where you look at it and you go, Everything is broken. It is bad and this is ridiculous. You know, the first time was Oath of the Gatewatch releasing the Eldrazi into the modern format. I remember watching that pro tour as it was happening and just going, this is, this is absurd. You can't do this. 
And then after that was Hogak, um, which I, I think we all kind of know that Hogak is not okay in modern by <laughs> any by any stretch of the imagination. And then you see this, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn one, land, Simeon Spirit Guide, uh, Ritual, Manamorphose, and then I'm going to go in, or whatever it was, land, guide, guide, um, violent outburst, cast Tibalt's trickery, target my violent outburst, flip it into a Tibalt. Right. And, and you're just like, okay, cool, I have a seven mana planeswalker in play on turn one. Right. And a good one. It was, yeah, and, and not just a bad one. one. It's like, <laughs> not that there are bad seven mana planeswalkers. Um, I, I'm sure somebody could come up with it, you know. Um one of the uncommon six mana ones is probably the closest we're going to get to a air quotes, bad planeswalker. But this, this is one of the, the major times in magic history where magic was broken. Right. This was something. Uh, so would you say it was actually the most broken at this time? You know, and, and we had kind of briefly talked about this before the cast. I think um, if anyone listens to the dive down, they had a brief conversation about this where, um, I believe Spike was saying that this is the most broken thing you could ever have done in modern. Um, and I don't know if that's if that's necessarily true. It's definitely in the contention, but I think it is in the top three with those other two things that I talked about. Oh, I, I agree. I actually think it was... I think it... Not for 100% sure, but I do think it was the most uh, broken modern it was, but it was so brief. Because it was kind of so powerful and everyone knew that action was going to happen. Right. And I think you made that that uh, comment in our show notes that it's like 12 days. So everyone got to have their fun. They got it out of their system. Um, I, I think that's a major kudos to Watsy moment um, where they fixed the coding of Magic Online in, you know, less than two weeks. And they got on that. It's one of the few emergency bannings that, is, that have happened in magic's history i i you know you can't test for everything in modern i don't blame them for missing this at all um and it's just good to see that they jumped on it and they got it handled really quickly and this definitely looks looks as if it was a card that was very anti-modern it was against what people would consider the spirit of modern which is somewhat fair but it, do things like fair combo or you, you know if you're cheating things into play you're probably getting rid of a bunch of stuff off of your board or out of your hand to do so you know you're not doing something that's considered free and and I think a lot of people you know and that that's that is a weird weird way to describe it in my opinion but that is something that just it's a, a lot of people have their opinions that are based around do we want modern to have free things air quotes around free yeah and i i've never liked because you could like cody kind of implied you could just do this turn one turn two regularly and you don't there's no like there's no whiffing it's you get uh Valky every time yeah it's not like there there was briefly the tabalt's trickery deck in like standard and historic um sure that was like ah, i'm gonna hope to flip this into an ugin or a coma or whatever i mean it's it's the same thing as the the current cascade decks is you cast violent outburst this thing is going to happen end of yes. statement yes 100 percent of the time every time so that led us to that bnr announcement but it was it actually 
was one of the bigger modern swings uh, to happen. I I guess that's one way to put it, where they completely removed a ton of the 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 problem pieces of modern as well. Um, so there was the cascade rules change, so you cannot cascade into something that has seven mana basically. Uh, you ha- you had to go down in mana value basically. Yeah, the cascade triggers on so it checks twice. It checks when you find the spell, and it checks on resolution of the spell. Is okay, what the yeah. update does. Okay, okay. So that's the uh, the correct verbiage of it. They also removed fill the dead, mystic sanctuary, the Samian spirit guide, the enabler of the deck as well, uh, Tibalt's trickery, and Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath. It got it rid of tons of cards and completely uh, change modern for the better well and this is uh, again kind of one of the times where you remember this point in modern because if or in magic not just modern where I, I think this announcement holds the record for most cards banned at one time yes it had two historic five pioneer bannings the five modern bannings three legacy banning, uh, bannings and Vintage had a unbanning of Luris, but it was like a, a change in uh, in status, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I, I look at this um, to, to kind of peek behind the curtain for listeners. Um, in the show notes, I put goodbye Uro celebration. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not an Uro fan. I, I identified that card day one as this card is absurd unacceptable in any format that it lands in and it's kind of that and oko and um once upon a time are kind of emblematic of the fire design where one of the you know the r in fire is replayable and i I look at this i'm like yeah uro is replayable because you cast it six times you don't cast any of your other cards you just cast uro for the rest of the game the game is about this card. Yeah, right the game. The game. Once you cast that card on turn three, the game is now about this card. Um, I I have a lot of vitriol for Uro specifically because one of the most fun times I've had in Modern was, or not in Modern, in Magic. I keep uh, switching those words around. Um, one of the most fun times I've had in Magic is playing the uh, Todd Anderson's Chunky Red deck in Pioneer. Uh, as soon as Uro came around, that deck was gone. Over. You cannot beat one copy of Uro being drawn. And Uro kind of did that to all of the decks. It pushed everything out. And uh, long story short, I'm glad it's gone. Good riddance. See you never. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, so I, I'm very much a, a red player. I, red is my favorite color in Magic. That's been... The, the style of decks that I've enjoyed were red aggressive decks. Pretty much burn dot deck is the, is any deck I would play. Uh, even during its left hole control days recently. Uh, it's it's just been something I, I've loved. And, you know, seeing that get picked off... I, and I, I remember, this was during a time when my focus was school. I was very much not into magic except just watching and reading stuff online. And when I saw this come across my feed... I remember I was sitting in the middle of, of one of my classes. I was in the classroom reading this, just not even listening to what the instructor was saying. And I and I just start messaging friends of mine. I'm like, this this is probably the craziest you know announcement that they've had because not only have they effectively warped 
you know, you know, either stopped the warping or warped certain formats. But there, that announce that rules change in this announcement also set up for something moving forward in in what eventually became all these cascade-based decks and, and stuff like that. And you know, Earl being you just know how impactful that card was because that was one of the major points of of that was the focus. Everybody was all about Uro. Uro being gone, yeah, they didn't care about anything else. You know, despite the fact the Field of the Dead was still running rampant with uh, the it was like Amulet Titan decks and now uh, Simeon Spirit Guide also being banned. That's obviously a free mana card. That's been uh, it's been a polarizing card, and it's just poof gone like that. Yeah, and I I think to kind of make one more point before we before we move on from this, I think besides the individual cards being banned, what this set um, or not set, what this banning announcement kind of did for Magic, I think it was a turning point. It went from I think this is the famous announcement where they uh, while the overall win rate of the deck hasn't shown to be problematic, they they did get a little snarky with us on this one. Um, I think this turned from banning things only based on win rate to banning things that peop everybody just hates. Um, you look at like the pioneer bands, I think are also emblematic of this. Uh, Balustrade Spy. That deck was miserable. Teferi Time Raveler is just a miserable card that I dearly, dearly love. Um, Wilderness Reclamation is also a bad, you know, is also a feel bad card that people just didn't like because of its recent reign in Standard. Um, but you even look beyond that to Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, Brent, I know you cannot stand that card. I hate that card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, there's Mystic Sanctuary, and, you know, I wasn't playing a whole lot of Modern at this time, so I didn't really have as much experience with Mystic Sanctuary, but Field of the Dead, too. They they looked at these cards, um, and it, Arkham's Astrolabe in Legacy, because I know Tannen didn't like that card as well. It, they took cards that people hated and just booed them. You know, it's like, they you see the paradigm shift into... Oh yeah, this is a game people should enjoy it. Nobody likes these cards. Let's get them out of here. And I think that's a good thing for for Magic as a whole and specifically for Modern. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, I hate Mystic Sanctuary. That's the only takeaway I got from whatever you just said. I just hate that <laughs> card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the big the card sucks. Get it out of here. Yeah, the big one for me was a Spirit Guide where you just basically you just have mana built into your cards. That was uh, a big change uh, from the, for the year, and I, I'm really glad to see. I think it's net positive. I had a friend who played. Uh, oh yeah, Adnaz. absolutely. Well, and and Adnaz is a good point, right? Because that was the only thing, only reason that Simeon Spirit Guide stayed around for as long as it did. I mean that that card kind of had a, a target on its back for a long time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I I. I I don't miss it. This this made me very happy to see these cards get removed, and it really did shake up modern in a huge way, in a very necessary way. Um, but moving on, uh, besides in March, we just had Time Swallow release, uh, just a dope set. Uh, nice to have reprints. I always like these sets. Yeah, this I think the biggest thing about Time Spiral Remastered is Tarmogoyf is twenty dollars. 
that's that's just wild unheard of you know right. i started i started playing when tarmogoyf was 250 yeah. I, was, I was about the same I, I don't mind these sets these sets are, are pretty pretty nice i'm not a limited person I, you know i if somebody were to pay for me to draft or play sealed, then yeah, I probably would. But it's not something that I'm going to spend my own money on. But the these sets I can definitely see are very very enjoyable because not only are they a good reprint set, but they're a fun set that people can go to their, you know, when it's safe and acceptable, go to their game store and play Friday Night Magic drafting some of these sets. Obviously, this came out during a time when the world was not. Not really happy, but you know that's beside the point. I it's just all around good set. It's it's just nice to see that these sets are still a they're strong. They're strongly influencing the way people come and play Magic and stuff like that. Yeah, the the big thing for me was uh, people apparently just love. I think everyone knew this, but they love their old border ca- cards. And you get that with like the you get old border thought seeds, you get old border, old border like uh, primeval titan, and just a million other cards I can't think of right now. It's but they also brought deal. some old border for a lot of your newer cards, especially the the one in my mind because I'm a red player is monastery Swiss beer. Who oh right you know, yeah you know Swiss beer came when they first altered when they first altered the what was considered the modern card for uh, card frame and i want to say cons block areas when they yeah, changed it yeah m15 is the yeah. was the card and, border change yeah, yeah. m15 is when they changed it and swissphere you know it's been there since you know swissphere's been around for you know it's hard to believe swissphere's been around for like 4 or 5 years now uh, uh it's closer but, to 6 yeah oh, six. yeah it actually is uh, you know, it's been around for six years, even though it feels like it's been a, a format defining card for longer. But to have it in that old border, it, it just oh, it's just so beautiful. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of talking to the wrong people. I've come around a little bit on the old borders, but Brent is not an old border person. Uh, I'm I, I'm the I know I'm the weirdest one when it comes to card art. I like the newer art with like the the full black border frame uh so i i don't care for I, I uh, really don't uh, like i've got a friend stuff. that he hated burn so much that he built a legacy burn deck with all newer frames and stuff but then proceeded to manually white border everything oh yeah there's a guy in my shop that white bordered their uh legacy delver deck <laughs> so it, obviously card card frames they're all subjective oh for, oh yeah yeah uh, so that was uh, Time Star Remastered. Uh, in the following month in April, uh, we get Strixhaven. Uh, the notable thing here is uh, they gave us Expressive Iteration, which was just like the most powerful card, certainly in the standard sets for the year, uh, and just made made a home in every single format. Yeah, I, I think, um, and we'll kind of get this towards the end of the cast, but I I think it might just be the card of the year. That, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because the rest of the set was forgettable for the most part. Um, you got Prismari Command. And yeah, like there's there's a handful of cards, you know, that's like Prismari Command is one of them. There's um, probably a few cards you can, you can name, yeah. name by, by, you know, by name or by sight, but you don't have anything that's as impactful as Expressive Iteration was. Right. No, nothing close, yeah. Uh, another. It's funny that we mentioned borders because this was the 
Um, I want to call it the return of showcase or the return of uh, masterpieces. We get all of these really great cards in what is probably my f- personal favorite frame of the the mystical archives. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. That I forgot that that happened in this set. That was a big deal. Yeah, and, and it's really cool. Um, most of the cards I own that can be in the mystical frames are in the mystical frames. I initially had my uh, abundant harvests in these frames, but I, I decided to pass on them. And now, I don't even play the card anymore, but I, I do like them quite a bit. Yeah, and we also got the Japanese alternate art, you know, the return of the lottery ticket to standard booster packs. The foil Japanese demonic tutor is like, I, I don't even know how much. It's a million dollars. Might as well be. Uh, well, well, I think we'll just settle on a million dollars. Um, so nothing in May, but in June, we get uh, a set, Modern Horizons 2. I think this one was pretty impactful, I would say. No, say less. You, you want to talk <laughs> uh, about a, yeah, a, something like that? A, a format defining set. You know, even though it was specifically for modern, I I would say this probably shook up modern more than the original Modern Horizons did. Uh, Hogak aside, Hogak aside. I mean, so I I think there's this kind of perception shift that we have where MH1 was their first crack at it. We get Hogak, we get Arkham's Astrolabe, we get Renin Six, we get Urza. All four of those cards were either banned themselves or caused another card to be banned. Um, yes. You know, we, we get these, um, I think it was the uh, Dominaria's Judgment podcast that was talking about they're interactive, but in bad ways. Renin 6 made Legacy really unplayable from my understanding and perception at least for a lot of people you couldn't play one drops the renin six was the best thing to do in the format band hogak did the same thing to modern we got two bands out of that one uh hogak and bridge from below right arkham's astrolabe uh brent i know you're a hater yes. tannin is yes. also a hater in legacy uh maybe maybe also in modern i, I don't know about that but I, I like to play colors. I like to play five colors. But even that being said, it's too easy. When you have these decks, I, I think Arkham's Astrolabe was the uh, at its peak when you got to play Oko, Uro, Astrolabe, Ice Fang, Coatl, Urza, and then whatever colors you wanted, all off of five basic islands. Right. You just got you just fetch basics the entire game because your mana was fine. You exactly. Yeah, and it just drew you. Uh, hate. I hate. No, okay, I, I better stop. I hate. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and kind of my point about that is, is there MH one had those cards that draw ire, and yes, that people don't like MH two cards. But we're six months in, and one, you know, it is hard to capture my attention for for very long. Um, the fact that we can still iterate find new decks constantly all ba- on the back of these mh2 cards i know people are kind of tired of solitude and ragavan um but I-, I think lsv tweeted made a tweet of like ragavan being good for modern and legacy i can't speak to the legacy but in modern i really do believe that you can take two hit one two three hits from ragavan uh three is probably excessive but you can take one or two hits from ragavan and still come back and win the game yeah. um I think, as a whole, MH2 is an incredible set. This is one of my favorite sets of all time. It makes decks that I love to play playable in Modern for the first time 
ever, probably. Um, and it is on the back of Solitude, Fury, Ragavan, all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, I, I think if I have one qualm, uh, it is just the minor, minorest, most minor thing in I wish Ragavan you had to choose to get the free card or get the treasure. Just, just to nerf it just a little bit? Yeah, where it's yeah. St- it would still be really, really good. It wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't suddenly make the card unplayable, but it then makes you make a choice. Do I want to get the free card now? Do I want to get the mana now? Because most of the time, it's... Um, it's just ingest one, make a treasure. Just exile right. the top of your library, make a treasure. And, and that seems kind of silly to me. But overall, MH2, incredibly well done. I I have nothing. I mean, it's a solid. It's an A set. If we're talking receivables grades here, it's a solid A. I, I would probably push it from an A to, to an S since we're talking about tiers. You know, not, not, since everybody fair, like, oh, fair. The yeah. whole tier list. <laughs> because... This this was a set that did not, it didn't break anything, to, to my knowledge. It didn't, you know, it didn't seem like it broke anything. It just made everything feel better. Because not only did this, you know, bring a whole bunch of new cards that you know, could have impacted different archetypes in modern, what this also did was brought some classic archetypes, I, you know, lightly using the word classic, and brought them to the forefront to being, you know, you know, even for a short bit where the deck was something to be reckoned with. You know, you know, my thought was your green white en- enchantress decks, and as well as your, you know, it's probably I, I have no idea if it had a strong run or if it's still having a strong run, but your blue black mill decks, having that, I believe the card is called fraying sanity, just kind of pop in, uh, unless I'm talking. <laughs> Sideways, uh, fra- uh, fractured sanity. That's what it is. Uh, if we want to reset, yeah, Frank's that, sanity is the enchantment. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but still, you know, you you saw you see fra- fractured, uh, fractured sanity is being kind of like the one card that did kind of help out. But then you also had, you know, cards like Mer- Merktide Regent. Merktide Regent was just. It's just an absurd card in on its on its own, and all of a sudden, yeah, you know, people are playing this in in modern and legacy, and just absolutely enjoying it. Uh, and then you see, you even still have what I classify as your late bloomer cards. You know, some of these cards that were good, but you know, people didn't really put a focus on. Some people might have been playing it, and and a card in particular that I see, uh, some you know, some people just championed it in decks was dress down because dress down did. Is just a phenomenal card in the format in on itself because not only can can it shut down uh, different creatures, you know, it almost was just your your oops I win kind of card by disabling. I I think the the biggest deck at the time was Elementals when any kind of I think Grixis based deck that was all about uh, Dragon Rage Chandler and Snapcaster Mage they would just play a dress down and boom. You know your elemental player's turn just fizzled, and then you, you just come back and win the game like that. Yeah, uh, and it, and there's just it it those are just a few cards just to na- just to name just a select few, but to think that this was a set that ha- was full of an insane amount of those cards, just little one ones and twos cards that 
they weren't broken on themselves. But you put them in a deck, and all of a sudden, it's just like, these were a fantastic card to play. And it helped construct some archetypes, or, or were able to help bring some archetypes back from, you know, what could be considered the brink of death. You know, something that was just tier 3 or tier 4 back in the day is now something that's easily a tier 2 deck and is people are having fun with it modern again. Right. The one the one thing I I I wished it was kind of a circumstance of Modern Horizons 2. Um I I do recall just talking with them at, at the time modern decks were so cheap at the time pre MH2 where you had the best deck was blue red blitz and that was that deck has always been really cheap. Uh, and it just got expressive iteration, too, at that time. So that was just the best deck. And he, and we had green-white Heliod, life gain combo. And just looking at Goldfish, every deck was, like, less than $1,000. And usually, like, between, like, a lot of six sub-$600. It was definitely the cheapest I've seen modern. Probably, you know, blame COVID for some of this, too, because... Um, that obviously had an impact on the world, much less uh, MTG Finance. Um, and then we get to MH2, and now just look, I've pulled up the, the deck, and there's just so many decks that are north of $1,200, like Four Color Control, uh, Jun, Sagavan, uh, Elementals is quite pricey. And just, that's that's one thing, that's, that's, that's the only thing. I love the MH2 set. I just wish it didn't have this kind of impact because it's just a lot more expensive to to get involved with. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think if we're if we're going to have a criticism for the the set, it's it's going to be that, right? It's that every deck yes. uh, you you have to have there is a barrier to play. Once you've gotten above that barrier, the the gameplay is incredible, the decks are so good. Um and, and I think there is a lot of that to blame on COVID um on the pandemic in itself and just the the various pressures it exerts um i mean that being said i i am very lucky to be able to have the the loose income to kind of play whatever i want um i've played just a, a a large swath of decks overall and i think my greatest praise for it um for modern horizons 2 and what it did for the format is it turned modern from a from a format where you ignored what the other person is doing and you tried to enact your game plan um you know if if we look over the past you know the entire lifetime of modern honestly um at, at the very least as long as i've played we had infect affinity tron burn so many of these decks that you just ignore what ignore whatever your opponent is, is doing. Scapeshift is another good example. And you just try to kill them with your cards. And you hope that they don't have the stony silence. You hope they don't have the rest in peace. Um, you hope they don't have the hate, hate piece in play. And that the game revolves around that hate piece. Did I draw it? Did they draw their counter to it? Who gets to win is all based upon those those problems and it turned modern from that into this format where you know yes hammer time is probably the best deck in my opinion um and i i know a lot of people carry that opinion we can kind of talk about that or not but 
the depth of modern is control is a playable deck murktide regent the blue red regent decks the my personal favorite deck is the four color blink that wouldn't have been possible without these these free spells the solitude the fury you know because when your opponent gets to play everything in their deck is one one mana or two mana at most and you're trying to resolve three four five plus mana worth of spells a turn you're never going to get to do anything unless you have the solitudes the furies and um I, i'm kind of rambling at this point but essentially i just i love that modern is now a format where interaction is prime and that is mostly thanks to rakavan i think i would say that over time they've experimented with how they want to make free spells and make them balanced and interactable as opposed to just something that just would happen and would probably change the game to some degree and i think they they nailed it with with these elementals being able to evoke them and then get their free effect whether it be with flash or not i think was a very very smart idea and they the cards themselves have shown how good they can be especially in that elemental deck they they've been phenomenal and I will. I would definitely agree that what they have done with this set was is through and throughout has been phenomenal. And one thing, uh, going back to MH one, they had the force of something. Uh, well, they had all, the force of vigor with all the force, the whole force set. The, the new force, yeah. Right. The only good ones were the blue and green ones. Like the blue ones has just been outstanding forever. The green one has been niche sideboard, uh, uh, one of the stronger sideboard cards in green decks, and then the other—I don't even know what the other ones do. Like the white the, one's like a the anthem. white one is an anthem. The black one kills creatures that entered the battlefield this turn, and then the red one makes two three ones that die at end of turn. Right, they don't do it. No, beginning of your next upkeep. Okay, I they, think. Yeah. We should probably but that, that, that just that spout, just goes to show you how yeah, the red card does who knows what. Yeah, but yeah. here we 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 can give the the full oracle text of each of the cards because they're that good. Yeah, and the worst, you know, it's uh, I think Kessler on Twitter was making a point about um, subtlety being the same card in the cycle as Frost Titan was to the Titan cycle, where it's right. like in in a vacuum it is the weakest. But in actual application, it is the best at fighting the other ones in the cycle. So when you have subtlety and it's the air quotes worst card in in this cycle, I think that's a pretty good place to be. And they're still not overpowered, right? Like and it it like the white one was, I would say not the strongest until kind of more recently. Like it, you, yeah, it, it took a, a while really to card. get the white card discovered. The red you know. one was the worst one at people's presumption, and then now it's among the better ones. It's just so strong. Just can clear a board of Ragavans and Darcy's. And the green one, like, you know, they're just all incredibly well powerful. They're powerful for the color, and they're just great cards, and they're just littered throughout the modern format. The white one's obviously incredibly strong in any white deck. The red one, same reason. Grief was one that they said should be day one banned. <laughs> Because it was pretty good, 
it's just crazy how they they really nailed it with the the elemental creatures yeah and, and i think the last point i i'll kind of make about um mh2 as a whole and and these um these creatures too is a lot of people are complaining because you have to have them to play modern um you have to have you know pick your elemental or ragavan darcy or you know like um the amulet titan stuff and i i understand that complaint when when you're kind of on the outside looking in uh, but at the same time, I, modern's always been that way. Pick any era of modern, and you look and see, you know, flashback two years ago, and you have to have Mox Opal or Tron Lands or, you know, Thought Seas plus a bunch of expensive fetch lands and, you know, Grixis Death Shadow stuff. You flash back to any period of modern, and there is a there's a hurdle to jump to get into any any deck no matter what you want to do cavern of souls is still 80 dollars for some reason like there's always going to be the financial hurdle and if the power is resting in these elementals and ragavan i think that's a fine place to be right well we're also still in a format that even if you don't have those cards there are still an accept acceptable decks out there you, you know specifically your Violent outburst based decks, your cascade decks don't they they don't really make that. They, obviously, they have fury, but they don't make an insane use out of a majority of Modern Horizons too. They have bits and pieces, but then you also have I'm beating a dead horse. You still have burn. Burn is just always going to be a thorn in Modern side, in my opinion, and there's. I mean, it didn't get anything from Modern Horizons 2. It just... Still, it just... It, exi it exists. And you always have to be prepared for it. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, you can look at the... I think Urza's Saga is a card we haven't really talked about either. Um, you know, that being... I believe that was the first card we saw from Modern Horizons 2. Uh, they gave us a little sneak peek a month before spoilers or whatever. I think that yeah, that um, was the spoiler yeah. card, and, yeah. and then now all of a sudden it's just like, boom, it's probably the most played card or something. Yeah, and line. it's it was, you know, for the first two months of Modern Horizons 2, we had these, um, I'm going to... I'm going to show off the fact that I can say this word. Uh, Asmorano, Mardikadiced, and Akuldakar. Um, all these Asmor decks floating around. Casual, um, humble brag. Yeah, right? Humble brag. Humble brag. Oh, listen, I practiced uh, for more time than I'm willing to admit, and so I have to show it off sometimes. Um, but Urza Saga is another pillar of modern, um, where when the format was you know first developing, people were like, yep. I, I remember a guy at my shop saying, this card's going to be banned. It's ridiculous. It does everything. But it it's gated by the fact that you have to spend mana on it. You can fight it with Blood Moon and Alpine Moon and Enchantment Removal. I bounce Urza Saga with Teferi all the time. Um, it, it's just another... It hit this really, really sweet spot, like most of these best cards in Modern Horizons too, where... It's, it's it's very very powerful without being unfun and broken. Yeah, 
Yep. And it's and it's just it's so easy to interact with it. Like dress down like like uh, Andrew said before, it kills the the tokens, the constructs. Uh, Alpine Moon and Blood Moon is actually just Stone Ring on those cards as well. Uh, and then like Spreading Seas and other effects, they that is also a Stone Rain effect. So it, it is incredibly easy to interact with this card. So every, everything we've said about the set can just apply to every single piece of 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 the set. Every card right. gets about is is pretty much getting the same opinion. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's strong. You can interact with it, or it brought up the power level of a of an existing set of cards that needed the help. You know, I think of my friend who is building, who just bought the last cards for uh, red green shamans, like forgotten card oh not forgotten but lesser used cards like harmonic prodigy just every part every faction of this set i look at and it's just a's you know or s tier if if we're going by the tier thing it's just the best it's so good now here's a question that that y'all could ponder about uh just accept the pun and love it um what this is a what if if we still had Uro in the format, would this set have been like some as big of an impact as it did if we had like an Uro based format still? The four color piles would be unbearable. And that that's coming from someone who played like that is my that is my best deck in modern. Um I think it Uro would just invalidate a whole slew of decks single handedly. Uh that that card has no space in modern anymore. Keep it all the way away from me. Always. Get it out of here. Yeah. Alright, so moving on we to July, we get uh Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, the Dungeons and Dragons set. Uh this this one gave us a few cards, mostly white, Ingenious Smith, Portable Hole, the Fiddlebender, and some of the better creature lands we've seen in some time. Yeah, and I think that kind of... They gave us this little package. Um, this was kind of another moment, like Urza's Saga was for MH2, that they gave us Portable Hole way ahead of time. Um, like a month or more before spoilers started coming out. And, um, you know, we see... Um, Aspiring Spike has been working on this uh, Oswald, Oswald Fiddlebender deck. Man, that's... Uh, that's a fun one to say three times quick. Um, he's been working on this Fiddlebender deck that takes the power of those cards. You know, Ingenious Smith being, I, I see a lot of people talk about it as a white Tarmogoyf. Um, Portable Hole is ex- excellent removal for these um, for these white based land uh, white based artifact decks, um, and just really showing just another facet. You know these these decks aren't going to be the best deck around, you know, you still have to beat out hammer time and all of that, but it gives another solid tier two option where you just see with, with AFR coming out, the depth of modern increasing yet again. Right. Um, kind of besides that, there wasn't a huge, uh, impact in modern. I think the, the biggest impact were actually the creature lens. Like the, uh, I know like, we listen to Spike a lot. The blue one, uh, Hall of the Storm Giants, incredibly good for the blue control decks that have this untapped blue source as opposed to Colony, which is always a tap source. 
and the red one, which is basically Goblin Rabble Master on a land that taps for red. Yeah, both of good, these cards. Good old Dinner of the Bugbear. Love, I love that card. Right, right. Both are just so good uh, at what they do, and uh, just huge fans of these cards. Yeah, those lands have hit in every format. Uh, or not in every format, but at least one of those lands has hit in one format. Like, they're all good. There's not a stinker among them. Right. Okay, so after AFR in July, uh, getting to September, we get Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Uh, the notable cards in here, and these were really good ones, is both Consider and Faithful Mending. These are the best, uh, the better of the two cards in this set. I will say that these are the only two cards that I have any knowledge about, because this was about the time when I stepped away from Magic again. But I, I absolutely love the design of Faithful Mending. Just being a, a simple card that just all of a sudden goes... And just it makes itself come back, gaining life, and then oh, what's that? Looting twice, I guess is the right. best way. It, it's effectively looting twice, but at the same time, um, it and it being an instant, I think is what made that card playable. I would say it would be less playable if it was a sorcery, but it's still a fantastic card and did make its way into a number of modern decks. The gain to life effect has been so good too. You just, you know, both halves, you get four life, you just counter a Boros Charm, and that's just pretty strong, as well as get, allowing you to kind of just dig deeper in the deck. Yeah, tar targeting me, I see you know, Boros Charm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, and, and something that we, in all of our talking, you know, we spent half an hour on MH2, we didn't even bring up the card Archon of Cruelty. Um, in combination with Persist and Unmarked Grave, prior to Faithful Mending coming out, it was like, you know, everybody's trying to find the right build. Do we play Asmore? Do we play, you know, other... St Do we have the Stoneforge package in the deck? Do we play Grief? And I think with Faithful Mending coming out, um, and, and to a lesser extent, consider, while people messed around with that, um, Faithful Mending kind of pushed all of that aside, again, for the most part, um, and said, okay, we are now playing Esper, we are playing Teferi, we are playing Faithful Mending as way, as additional ways to get um, Archon of Cruelty into our graveyard. And I, I think it's excellent. It's it perfect, again, perfectly balanced. You can't make it too powerful because it costs two. It will always cost two, and you can't change that. And then consider... Uh, kind of reignited the, uh, the Phoenix dream for like a minute, and then it then it went away again. But it's still just uh, just so good. It's you get an upgrade on a great card and opt, and you can just fill the graveyard too. Man, I just I just love Consider so much. It's just an incredibly good card. The one quick note I did just want to drop in here uh, is a deck by MTGO user Bosch and Roll, who I believe is Brian Koval, um, with the Aether Vial Collected Company Werewolves deck. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but I, th this deck has to be a dare, right? Like, I bet you can't make, you can't 5-0 with Tovalar and Modern. Uh, you know, Brian rolls up his sleeves and just says, I got this. Um, <laughs> with honorary um, 
honorary werewolf ragavan. Um, I believe Brent <laughs> will drop this deck list in the in the show notes, just so others can look at it. If I like it, I will. No, if he likes be, it, it'll be in the show notes. It'll I, be in the show Brent, notes. put it in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all, lots of info will be in the show notes, including this deck, the uh, the Fiddlebender deck, and just everything else in between will be included in the show notes as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into uh, November, this last uh, step we get for the year. Really kind of the last piece of news from 2021 is Innistrad Crimson Vow. Standard set number five for the year, and uh, a, f- a few goodies. Uh, Cody put down Wandering Mind. Uh, this is another Spike uh, uh, lo- loved card. Uh, I would also go ahead and put in uh, a card that I completely missed, and then being a Titan player is Cultivator Colossus. All, like This is a card that everyone missed. And I said, wow, wait, this is good. This is really good because you just draw so many cards and you just add so much mana. Um, but yeah, Wandering Mind was, that became the, uh, it, it kind of a spike experiment. It was an Eorian uh, reanimator deck. And, and it just, uh, it's just pretty good. It just replaces itself every time. I just really like this. I really like the card. Yeah, Wandering Mine is really cool. You know, I played it at our weekly. I, I played the uh, Sp- Aspiring Spike uh, Sahili Rai Reanimator Wandering Mind 80 card pile. Um, where Wandering Mind, I just. I, I played it on turn three. Turn four, I ephemerated. I ephemerated again against my, you know, Jeskai mid range opponent. Suddenly, I'm up four cards. And they, ju- they just can't beat it. Um,. So, you know, I, I put I did put in the show notes, is Wandering Mind a good card? I obviously think so. Um, a, a card we did not note in the show notes, and I didn't remember until just now, is Hullbreaker Horror. Um, a really cool reanimator target that um, I, I've seen uh, mana symbol, Zach Ryle. Um, I apologize, Zach, if you're listening to this episode and I messed up your name. Um but he was playing this in conjunction with um, Wilderness Reclamation to just jam this out on turn five, and then suddenly every spell for the rest of the game is remanned. Right. It, it's it's better because it doesn't... Um, it, you can't really counter this effect because it's just part of the, the triggered ability. Yeah, and, and you know, this, this set also brought us the blood mechanic, which we we see in you know cards like Blood Fountain, uh, I believe the card is Voldaren Epicure, the one mana one one that deals the damage and makes a blood token, um, which I kind of want to promote. Ari Lax's deck, the Asmore Vampires, um, that one's just really really neat and interesting. That came up from a Twitter conversation with Sam Black. Um, I know it's been kind of their pet deck for a little while. Uh, also notable uh, vampire tribesman Ragavan Nimble Pilferer. Um, <laughs> God, that card is just so good. Um, I, I think Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt uh, again. They're just they're going to be a sets for me. They have to be because the flavor is incredible, and the cards that they made hit where they wanted them to hit. And there's I don't think there's anything broken out of them. Right. 
so that that was it for the uh for the 2021 set so uh other things that happened this year we had uh the what was, was this gp vegas unofficially i think they just called it mtg vegas okay so uh cody you actually went to that event how did how did that go for you i did it was uh honestly really cool um i had never been to or i did not go to any of the previous uh gp vegas is vegas i vegas i definitely no um, you, you got it you got yeah it. nailed it <laughs> i i'm doing real great hashtag here, english um it was from you know i i met a friend there and and he had gone to previous ones and previous Vegas Eye events. Um, and he said it was smaller than the previous ones, which kind of amazed me because I've, I've been to a, a handful of GPs here and there, and this one was by far the biggest. Uh, for a lot of people, it was the big triumphant return to paper magic. Um, it was awesome. It was really great. Um, the, the cosplayers were all doing great i got pictures with you know some people that i had heard on podcasts i intended on you know actually meeting tannin uh in person and we just our our paths never crossed the whole weekend um he can only be the second best person you meet so right right (laughs) (laughs) um you know, it, it was really cool to see. I jumped in one of the bylines at one point, and they told us the wait was two and a half hours. Um, every every buyer that I heard from the booths was saying they had fourteen plus people lines for the whole weekend, starting Friday, even all the way through. They still had business on Monday, where previous GPs GPs and big magic events they didn't. Um, they, if I remember right, the Vegas modern event was won by red black rock um yep yeah uh you know we we've kind of brought up spike a lot aspiring spike a lot throughout of this throughout this episode and i really feel like his um he he he's he's capable of popularizing decks like nobody else can yeah and you know you can see his touch on modern um all the way through there, all the way through the last six months, um, through, you know, so many different decks, even the Esper reanimator started out as one of his big things, if I remember right. Oh, yeah, you're right. And Grixis Death Shadow, the, the revamp version with Dress Down was him. Yeah. He was the one who built that. Yeah, I believe uh, he top aided the uh, Hunter Burton Memorial event with that. Yes, I was there. Yeah. But overall, to kind of reel in the digression, Vegas was really great. It was really cool to kind of get back to that. Um, I really do hope that there are more events and that they continue to do them in as safe a way as possible. Um, The vaccination requirement was really awesome. They enforced the mask wearing at all points of the tournament. Vegas was great. I had a lot of fun. So... Let's go ahead and jump into uh, another topic. Wanted to go over, uh, not topic, but a um, a segment of this is, uh, what do we think the card of the year was? I think I'm going to jump in first because I I said mine at the very beginning of the cast. I think the card is expressive iteration. Uh, no other card has had the impact across every format um, that expressive iteration has i think the only other card that is a contender is ragavan um and i don't think 
don't think that Ragavan has the depth of different play styles and different deck archetypes that expressive iteration does you know you see iteration at the at the beginning of the year being a mainstay in blitz now you see it in four color control you see it in is it murktide you see it in um really anything in between i don't think it's close i strongly agree i i agree as well like you you could not have said it any better it's just but you know and it's not that iteration wins by default by being in the standard it's that it's still even even it being across standard as well it made much more of an impact if you take standard away and you put it in a modern set and say it was in modern horizons it still made a bigger impact than ragavan did yeah and there was there was definitely a point where i forgot that it came from a standard legal set i thought it was part of modern horizons 2 for a while <laughs> That's, that just shows how how powerful the card is on its own. I, I definitely just remember looking at, at the tweet that... Uh, I'm going to bring up Spike again. Spike made a tweet where he put it in a, in a deck, and the number one comment of all of it was, this card is just worse than light up the stage. Uh, and I, I think that comment does not age very well. Age like milk. Yep. I, sure I want to say... I have I have an idea because and we and he he made comments when he did the whole burn is just life total control meme. He talked about if you're just gonna change burn, not only are you adding Dragon Rage Chandler, but he says you're you should be playing Jeskai Burn with expressive iteration because it is such a good card. Being able to get such card advantage, especially in the modern format where everything's just so cheap. On average, the, the the cost stuff is cheap. Is is that card becomes such net value? That you just sometimes your opponent just can't do anything. It's just a phenomenal card. So okay, n- next up, favorite decks of the year. Uh, in front of what did you have a favorite deck of the year? And you cannot just say burn. You can't say burn. Well, burn didn't do anything, so I can't say it. Um, I would have to say it. It would probably be spikes revamped Grixis control with or Grix, not Grixis control it would be Spikes revamped Grixis shadow with dress down I think it did a at the time when Elementals was running rampant in the format it did exactly what it 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 had a car it had a car that got added into the deck exactly what she needed to and that was even the playing field especially during the times when you could play it and then cheat in any kind of creature that would sacrifice itself such as anything with uh with escape i'm blanking on the card hang on oh, so you think it like croxa croxa yeah yeah croxa yeah, um it's yeah in step dress down uh, uh on your turn croxa yes uh, i could not figure the, the name of the card but it, not only was it it perfectly utilized the the card dressed down to go from something that was just a one-sided hit card to oh it's just casually a two-sided value piece because not only did it knock out your elemental stuff and could save your your croxa but then you had death shadow if you had two death shadows and you were at 10 life 
all of a sudden you just go, hey, dress down, I'm swinging for 26. Because it, it made them 13-13s immediately. Right. So that that's that was that that's a lot of my reasons of why that's my favorite deck and why that's my vote. Right, uh, Cody. So yeah, I think I've played a large swath of decks over the past six months since Modern Horizons came back. Um, but for me, I think the most fun I've had and the most winning I've had simultaneously is the is the four color blink deck. Um, that I my list is based off of Mason Clark's list from Vegas, um, specifically playing the four Ice Fang Kawadals and four Counter Spells. Um, it, it's it's just truly a lot of fun. Um, I can go over the top of whatever you need to. You can interact with things early game through Solitude and Fury if you need to, but you can also just. Um, you can cheese people out sometimes at, at M the other night i we had an elves player who you know they they played out their four elves and i said okay cast fury wiped their board next turn they went coco here's four more elves and i said okay ephemerate the fury and with that on the stack they just pick up their cards so <laughs> <laughs> you know there's there's these cool moments there's i i like to play colorful uh, like multicolored decks, three plus colors is where I feel most comfortable. This four color Yorian Omnath pile is exactly what I want to be doing in Magic at any given time. Yeah, yeah. For myself, I have. Uh, I'm gonna give two answers. I know y'all gave one. Y'all were responsible, but um, I built. I finally fooled out Amulet Titan uh, earlier in the year, and that, that's so that's kind of my pet deck, my go-to modern deck. Uh, so that's probably my choice. But as far as playing, it's 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 really just Lotus Field combo in Pioneer. That's just my favorite deck. I think it's my favorite deck of all time. I just love adding mana, drawing half my deck, and just winning with Nibisit. That's oh, it's just my favorite. That's that's gonna be my favorite deck. I know it's not modern, but it's it's so good. That's definitely my favorite deck. That sounds like a blast. Honestly, that sounds so cool. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, shout out to Bryant Cook. He builds the the version I like with Wish, and the win con is basically just Wish for Niv Mizzet Perun, and then you cast Valakut Awakening with your basically half your deck, and you just draw twenty some cards. And Niv Mizzet's trigger is when you draw a card, deal one. That's just good enough to win. And you, oh, it's just so good, so good. Why would you not do anything else? Yeah, that sounds great. Ship, yeah, ship the list. Drop it in the show notes so I can have yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, definitely include the uh, the version I'm playing. I'll give you a goldfish link, guys. Okay, so that was it for 2021. Let's go into uh, what do we think for 2022. Andrew, what are your kind of gut thoughts of what's going to happen? Um, if there's anything that... I that goes along with their track record, something's going to be banned from being broken somewhere. I, I, I just, I just have this odd feeling that something's going to happen. Like a card's going to be printed. That's going to break a format. That's going to require a band, whether or not it's an emergency band that is up for debate, but I feel like something's going to get banned due to it being broken in 2022. So, I'm gonna make a make a a prediction, and I think you're I think you're right about just banning. I mean, that's I feel like it's kind of a safe thing to say too. Um, 
But with the release of Alchemy coming out in MTG Arena, my thought is that 2022 is going to be a very powerful year for Magic sets. Since 2019 was Throne of Eldraine, uh, a very strong year, and then to 2020, which was kind of weak, and 2021 in standard sets was also pretty weak. I think 2022, they turn, they dial it up quite a bit. Because now they have... Um, so I have the prediction that they don't like banning and suspending cards in on their digital format at all because that's the players kind of missing losing value on their investment into these wild cards or whatever their their decks um so i bet they hate that and with alchemy that they just reprint arrow for example they can say all right you know the front half is just going to cost four mana and the the and the escape was going to cost five or you know something like that to fix the card make it less powerful it's something that they could just definitely do so with that kind of luxury i think they have the freedom to just print more powerful cards and if they're too good for standard or modern they can just do the original bannings like they would typically do but in digital products they can just fix them so i think with that kind of flexibility i think that it's just going to be a very strong year Specifically, when it's rotation time or uh, standard rotation time, which the, the in twenty twenty two is going to be Dominaria is going to be the beginning of the standard rotation, uh, where the older sets get rotated out. I think that's going to be an incredibly strong. I think that's going to be the strong set, maybe even rivaling Throne of Eldraine. That's that's my hot take. The real question is, do we get an Urza Planeswalker, a real one that you don't have to go to a website? to use <laughs> no you tweet at it and then it will tweet the, <laughs> the ability. i like it i like it yeah i think an interesting piece kind of involved involving the power level of next year is we have unannounced challenger decks we don't know what format we the only thing we know is that quarter one we are getting challenger decks do you think it is the time for the return to modern event decks i i would love that so much i i I love the pioneer decks they're pretty good out of the box they're actually really good out of the box i would love for them to make a few modern event decks or challenger decks if they do what price point are they at i mean do do they have to be hundred dollar because like the pioneer decks are were like fifty, so do they have to do hundred dollar challenger decks for modern? I honestly want it to be more expensive, as crazy as that sounds, because then you get a better product. They they put better cards in. Um, I would, or I I think I would want them to be like two hundred dollars, give you a few lands and like a I don't even know like I'd have to like really think about it because the decks are so expensive. I don't know what you get for two hundred dollars. Yeah, I, and I think the the kind of hinge of all of that is going to be, is this where we get good fetch land reprints? Because it, that's something else, We another thing somehow we didn't mention about Modern Horizons is the fetch lands were in that set too. So the value of just opening a pack of Modern Horizons 2 is very high. And now that we have, you know, Marsh Flats and Arid Mesa are sub $20, yeah you know so now it's now we're flipping to the other side of wooded foothills is 40 i'm glad i traded my arid bases for 50 yeah (laughs) see so yeah that i mean i i have good prediction or not predictions but i have good feelings for where we're going in 2022 
we're we're hitting we're going back to Kamigawa with the previews we've seen they look exciting streets of new Capenna we haven't been to a new world in you know since Strixhaven so right yeah okay yeah um we we haven't been to a new world since uh Strixhaven so I like the new worlds I find them interesting but we also get to do the Dominaria United and the Brothers War. So we get some old lore coming back. I, I, I think there's a lot to look forward to, and 2022 is going to be a great year for Magic. Yeah, I think so too. All right, uh, so let's do some overrated, underrated, guys. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hit a couple of those. Okay, so first one, Kyle from Kyle MTG Sick Breaks, uh, Magic the Gathering Misprints. Um, I'm going to say properly rated, uh, the people who love them, love them. Uh, everybody else, you get some good money out of them by selling them to the people who love them. Personally, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a misprint kind of person. I, I, I think a lot of them are overrated. Like I like my stuff looking either the same or, or, or somewhat standard. So you would say you're not into damaged goods. Most, <laughs> and, and I, I say that despite the fact that my I've had my burn deck for so long, I just have straight riffle shuffle creases down the top top middles of all of them. But yes, I'm not big on getting fresh damaged goods. I I think misprints are so overrated. I I don't get it. I don't get why people want them. Yeah, they just. They just don't look good. I, I want cards that I want cards that look good. Like I don't want these goofy off-centered like a, a part of another card. You know whatever. I think I the the big thing is people like them because they're unique, and you know they it, it's very much the the thing that uh, Professor Tillerian Community College talks about. Um, it doesn't change the way the game is played. It's just if you like them, great. If you don't like them, you don't have to interact with them, and that's why they are. They are exactly as good as you think they are. Exactly. Yes, I overrated. just don't. I just don't understand. If one is perfectly split down the middle, you can't play it. If it's two different cards perfectly split down the middle, you can't play it. Okay, let's go. Let's, go ahead and <laughs> let's wow. move on. I'm kind of digging through. I want to get. I just want to do good ones. Uh, so let's do the Muppets, including the Sesame Street. Underrated. The best Christmas movie, end of statement, is A Muppet's Christmas Carol. If I were to say the wrong thing right now, the next thing you would hear is my dad coming through the wall and throwing me out of this house. <laughs> well, please say it. So, yeah, Perfectly, that, that sounds good to underrated. me. That's a great way to end the podcast. The, 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 the Muppets are fantastic. Like, you don't know how much joy they bring my father in the evening times, where he has to have his nightly Muppets now that we have, we, you know, we're subscribed to so many things online now. I just walk through the house, and he's watching all the old Muppets episodes. Like, that was stuff he loved. And, and, and the movie, all, pretty much any movie they've come out with, especially in the, their revival in recent years, they're underrated. Like the Muppets are fantastic. I want I want to see them in just 
in more places. Get them to a point where they could be considered overrated, and even then, they won't ever be overrated. Yeah, you're you're both right. It's yep. they're so underrated. It's unreal. They're the best. Yep. Uh, next from, uh, actually, who who's that? Oh, that was I'm sorry, that was from Gil. Uh, thank you, Gil. Uh, next we have Cathal Reddit. Overrated. It's a cesspool. Get it out of here. Most most of Reddit, most of Reddit is very very overrated. But the few, oh. few parts I explore are are just rated. They're 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 nice. Uh, okay. Um. I. I like Reddit. Like they have to. Okay. So there's there's community. Like there's there's so many like different Reddit communities. Cody's right that it's some of them suck. Like Magic Reddit. I don't like it very much. I'll go there sometimes, but R slash Free Magic. Not, no, mm, <laughs> we're not we're not we're not doing this we're not doing this today <laughs> yeah i but i i'll go there because you get i'll get my new some of the news there because they'll be like they're sharing a, a link from like a new source and stuff like that i i like reddit but i don't interact with like the community i think it's i think it's okay i think it's fine it's probably still overrated you know what you're probably right um yeah that's that's it uh rubber ducky sauce says pioneer i'm gonna throw a softball to us oh underrated easy underrated the format just doesn't have much support but the if you are one of the people who doesn't like the free spells in modern or anything mh2 does pioneer is what you should be doing if your community supports it i would say pioneer is 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 pretty rated like it's it's a good format in on itself but there's just no wow factor for me, in, in in my opinion. There's nothing that just goes boom. You you know you should be playing Pioneer, you know, versus you know the the, the wow factor of everybody playing Modern. Like you know, that's a bad way to describe it. But still, I I just I, I just think it's rated. It's not bad. It's not terrible, but it's not as exciting as Modern is. I still think it's underrated. I, I think it's just a good format. Yeah. Um, I, and it's, I think, obviously, COVID had a big impact on it, but I think it'll swing back around. I think I think it kind of already slowly is, but I think there's tons of innovation still to be had in Pioneer. Yeah. Like, right now, I'm actually working on an Aetherworks Marvel deck, because now that Teferi's gone... Oh, you Lord. Can, you can, yeah, retry. It's never been a deck in the format. It has never been a deck. And I want to try it. Yes, but we know how we know how awful it was to play against that card. I know it's gonna be so fun. I agree. So I think it's gonna. I think it's, so. I think Pioneer's underrated. Also, I, um, yeah, I, I will say I did play Pioneer in Vegas at a side event because all the modern event f- events filled up, and I bought one of the Challenger decks. Added, I bought the Burn deck, of course. Added four Eidolons. Attaboy. And I had a blast. It was great. You bought the worst deck. I bought the best deck. No, as far as no, as if out you, of the box, if you it's... tell me Lotus Field is the deck I should have played, I will exit this phone call. <laughs> well, so I guess I'm it. moving on. <laughs> 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 no, actually, I bought two of the Pioneer decks, neither were the Lotus deck. I guess I already have the deck, so that's why. But I got Spirits and uh, the uh, Black White Auras. Black White Auras out of the box is very close to what you need, so that's why I like it. Well, what do you say we do one more overrated, underrated, and get these people out of here? Yeah, yeah. And that was from Rubber Duck Sauce. Okay, so I'm going to find one more 
good one. Actually, I, I was going to pick mine. I'm not going to pick my own. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take over control of the bus. Uh, this one's from Brett Wagner, editor. Uh, modern pre-MH2 or modern post-MH2? Oh, that's from... Who's that from? That's from me. That's Brett that's Wagner, one. the editor. Uh, the <laughs> lovely editor. The lovely... Yes, yeah. thank you. So are we, are we saying, like, are... So I guess that's kind of two, but over under for both. Like we right. So we'll go modern pre MH two modern, and then post MH two modern. Do you think it's underrated or overrated? Oh, that's that's tough. Because uh, post post MH two is an, I I think after our long discussion, is just an obvious underrated for from most most if not all of us. Even though there's only three of us here. Um. But there were times pre-MH2 that modern, I would say, was very much overrated. Like there were there there were different times, but on in the long run, I would say modern was just rated pre-MH2, and they became very underrated when MH2 hit. Like it's it's a fantastic format right now. So I have a different take. I think pre-MH2 was underrated. Uh, Post-MH2, I think it's just properly rated. I think it's good, but not better than what people think. But I think it's still really good. See, and, and so my thing is post-MH2, I think it's properly rated. People love it. If you don't, I mean, that, it's going to be kind of a what kind of magic do you want to play? Um, and how does that lean into what modern looks like right now? Modern pre-MH2, hilariously overrated, in my opinion. It was... What? Yeah, I mean... What? Leading up... So post-Strixhaven, the whole format was dual decks... Uh, is it Blitz versus Heliod Company? Okay, so um, not a three or four color decks that you like. Is that is that what the problem is? Well, I mean, yes, but no. Um, really, it was just <laughs> it was. Do you get run over by the red deck, or can you interact with this indestructible enchantment, or do you play Tron and everyone involved is miserable? I would, I would have to say pre <laughs> pre pretty much as a whole pre MH two it was overrated because. Let's be honest. Only one of these sections had Eldrazi winner. So my, my pre MH two is in 2021 pre MH two. Yeah, that, I mean, I think the you had at say least twelve days that were an absolute dumpster fire. Oh, okay, I'm not counting those twelve days. <laughs> well, you said 2021. Okay, so said twi- even okay. not even not counting the dumpster fire Tabalt's trickery nonsense, you really had the first part of the year was. Field of the Dead Amulet Titan running over everybody. Yeah, okay, we're talking you about move past that. I don't know what we're going over. <laughs> you move past that and you get into, do you get run over by the red one drops or do you die to the indestructible enchantment that you can't interact with because prismatic ending doesn't exist yet? You just hold up removal and just proceed with your game plan. It wasn't too good. It, I, and it, I, I think this kind of wraps here here's our full circle moment loops back into the bnr announcement right of it's not a matter of it being too good and winning too much it matters more about the play patterns and how fun the deck is to play with and against and i just i i think overall most of the history of modern pre mh2 was overrated but more specifically this year was also not a good showing well i'm fine being wrong on all fronts so <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome so that was our overrated and underrated section 
Lastly, I do want to definitely bring up our sponsor, Barrister and Man. That's Man with two N's. Uh, so I've bought. Uh, so the story, in case you guys don't know, is Barrister and Man approached us uh, quite some time ago and said, "Hey, we want to be a sponsor." And we all, I talked with Tannen and Ross, and we said, "Well, let's. We don't want to just pitch a product that we think is not very good." So they sent us products, or they sent them products, and I bought some products. And obviously, you know from Tan and Ross how good it is. Uh, I would have bought some. Uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a bald person, and I shave the the appropriate way. So with a double-edged razor and shaving soaps and things like that. So I went with their products, their, their shaving soaps, and even their uh, shaving brush as well. And Tan's talked about this before. And their soaps are just the best. It just smells so good. I think I'm on Leviathan. I think it just ran out of that, but I have so many of them. And I used to have this badger brush that I would use, but I kind of had them side by side. I said, you know, I just like this, the, the one that Bear Strand Man provides, the brush that they use. Also, I use the Cologne Wentz Date Night. Uh, the, the lady loves it. Uh, just everything they have is just so good. So be sure to check them out at Bear Strand Man, uh, M-A-N-N, uh, with two N's. And use the code MTGRANTS for 15% off. Uh, I know we're just kind of at the end of the holiday season, but feel free to check them out. They have tons of tons of good stuff. I haven't had anything that I have not liked from them. Uh, BearsternMan.com, MTGRANTS for 15% off. Uh, also, one final thing. We want to give a special thanks to the Discord. Uh, we have, a, like we said earlier, we have a great community. Uh, and listeners, we, we're glad that you're listening to the special episode that the special mtg uh or the mod episode uh and be sure to let us know how it goes in the uh, if you find this twitter or in the in the comment section of on our soundcloud page just leave a comment if you liked us and maybe we'll come back if not we'll we'll hide in the uh in deep in the internet like we have been well yeah the cool thing is is we're on the recording so whatever we say goes right so if if y'all liked us if y'all want to hear more of us yell at tannin and ross and maybe they'll bring us back yes yeah absolutely this was a lot of fun uh so uh let's go ahead and close the show uh thanks thanks you guys for jumping on for us this came together in about 26 hours or so 28 hours uh but i think we put together a pretty good product at the end so if you want to hear more from us uh andrew where can the people reach out to you uh i have two two specific areas I like to get uh, I like to get communications through so you can find me on Twitter uh, I am Inferno M16 that is I-N-F-E-R-N-O M16 and on Discord it is if you're part of the Discord you can just find me in the sidebar otherwise my Discord username is Inferno that's I-N-F-E-R-N-O hashtag 9940 is my specific tag all right, awesome. Cody, where can people hear from you? Best way to track me down on the internet is going to be through Twitter. Uh, my handle is at CoolBeans10101. Or if you're in the Discord, feel free to at me. Um, I don't know what my hashtag is. I wasn't prepared for that. Um, but you can find me. I'm under the Moderators tab. Uh, likewise, I'm under the Moderators tab. Uh, my Twitter is BritWagnerBL. Uh, and also I have another podcast, the MP mtg painful truth podcast that i do with my good friend cole kirkman uh we've had about 10 episodes and i think they're all pretty good 
so be sure to check that out. And all of our information will be in the show notes as well. So on your podcast platform, just go ahead and hit the notes and you can go ahead and find us that way. Guys, that's a wrap. Thanks everyone for checking us out and we'll catch you guys in 2022. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas all y'all. Yep. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas everyone. Take care. Hey everyone, welcome to the MTG Rants Podcast. What episode is this? We're going to start this over because I don't know what episode we're on. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. 97. 97. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great start. Great start right, to the know, night. Yeah, no, it's, it always takes more than one. I, I, not everyone could be a perfectionist like Tannen. Yeah, it, it is episode ninety-seven. Yep, yep. I, I just I'm wrote sitting it over here sweating bullets and stuff. Like, oh my god, my anxiety. No, no, just no, we're fine. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the dog with a fire all around it. Everything is fine. <laughs> okay. Wait. Uh, I was like, yeah. I was like, wait. Mid sense, like I have no idea what episode this is. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump right into twenty twenty one stuff like. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, Cody. I'm gonna edit. We're gonna do that. Okay. <laughs> nice. So, Nailed it. This, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, record recorded content. Beautiful. Right. <laughs>